Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you. Thank you so much for being here. Guests, once again, thank you for being here. Those that are watching live live stream, live stream, we're so glad to have you here. And you know, today is the one-year anniversary of when we launched live stream for our church. And uh, that there's 150 devices, because we don't know how many people are behind the devices, whether it's one, two, or four. There's 150 devices every week that tune in in one way, shape, or form and follow us along. So we're just so excited for the team that does this and the technology that we have to be able to broadcast that, especially our snowbirds that watch from all of those warm places south of here. Uh, I wore short sleeves for you today because we're on a heat wave. It's 40 degrees here. We're so excited. Uh, praise God for that, right? And there's something going on later today, you know, later this afternoon. But honestly, even more important than that is the fact that you're here today, and today is the 39th birthday of Shepherd's Gate. Think about that, 39 years of being in this community. And we are just excited about what God has done and what God continues to do in and through this church. And we know that he has even more in store for our future that God's work isn't finished and he's going to continue to call people here. He's going to continue to use you. He's going to continue to speak into your heart and your life and bring you closer to him and influence those around you. And if these last four weeks, if we haven't convinced you that everyone has influence, go back and watch every single one of the messages again. Just been watch them, right? And make sure that you understand that you are valued and you are important. And yes, you do have influence. And so on this fifth week, we wanted to just kind of hit the pause button and celebrate our influence. That we would celebrate our influence from the past in order to continue, encourage and continued influence into the future. It's amazing because as you read the Bible, what you find out is that God was the master at doing this with his people. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, they would, they would have these uh, situations that they would go through and he would force them to stop and to celebrate and to remember what God had done for them. As you go into the New Testament, you see the festivals that, that the people of God would celebrate. And what was the purpose of the festivals? Again, always looking to the past and realizing how God had been with them, how God had carried them through. About Even when they were unfaithful, God was faithful. And you know, it's the same thing in our church here. That even as we look to our past and we can see the times that we've been unfaithful, maybe as individuals, and yes, even as a church, that God has always been faithful faithful and that he has brought us 39 years to 2019 that we can continue to do what he's called us to do as his local body here in Shelby Township, Michigan. So I thank God for all of you. I thank you so much for being here and if you're a guest, this really gives you an opportunity to see what this church is all about 39 years. How many of you, you wish you were 39 again, right? I mean, we are a baby church, Think about that. We are so, remember when you were 39? You probably didn't even know what was going on, right? You are just getting started. And think about this. Our belief, I believe our church is now just getting started on what God has in store. Well, maybe you're new here. You, you weren't here last year when we celebrated our 38th birthday. And I want to take you back to the beginning. I want to take you back to 1980. I shared this last year, but I want to share it again because the founding pastor, Pastor B. Dale Thomas, left us actually a history book of the start of the church. He wrote a dissertation, and so this thing's, I think it's like 60 pages, and it actually lays out in detail how this church was started. And so the beginning of his dissertation, it actually says this, the first official private church service of Shepherd's Gate Lutheran Church was held on February 3rd, 1980. And oh, by the way, what's the date today? Isn't that interesting? To the date, February 3rd, with how many people? 
28, seven families, very committed souls present. We met twice and sometimes three times a week. We alternated meeting in one another's homes and enjoyed an agape brunch every Sunday after the service. And last year, if you were here, I, I put the challenge out to the church. I said, some of you, you are, you are gifted in culinary. You are gifted in cooking. Would anyone want to rise up and cook for 700 people every single Sunday <laughs> so that we can go back to our roots and have an agape brunch? And you know, no one came forward. <laughs> I'm not giving up. So on our 39th birthday, if, someone would, if God would put it on your heart, where each and every Sunday you would want to cook breakfast, an agape brunch. You know what agape means? A love, a love brunch for all the entire congregation. It's about what we average, 700 people on a Sunday morning. We would love to have you do that. We've got a huge gymnasium. It'll be awesome. So just pray about that and see if God would lead you to do that. But this is how it started. Seven families, 28 people. And so last year we got to focus and hear from our founding members, uh, five, uh, six of the seven families, which is a testament, right? Six of the seven families that are still part of this church. But not only were there 14 adults, seven couples, there were also 14 kids that were part of these seven families. And these 14 kids, guess what? They didn't really get a say in coming here and planning this church. Did you know that? They were told to get in the minivan or whatever, probably the station wagon back then, like every other kid, right? And instead of going to Trinity Utica, where they were used to going on Sunday mornings, they went a little bit north and said, we're now going to go and we're going to start in homes, then we're going to meet in a school. And so this year, we thought it would be really cool if you could hear from the kids, right? Uh, believe it or not, out of the 14 kids, six of them are still members here at Shepherd's Gate. They and their families, and some of them even have grandkids that are part of our church, uh, worship here. And so what we want to do is we want you to hear from them this year. So let's check out this video together. Ago, Shepherd's Gate was born as Pastor Dale Thomas, his family, and six other families decided they would do church in a different way. Their mission was still bringing the love of Jesus to more people, but they would find a different way to communicate this message. Starting a church with just seven families was a sacrifice that was not taken lightly. He left a huge church, which I'm sure is pretty good pay, and those families said, we're going to make sure that you have what you need. It was just a huge commitment, and God had his hand in every moment. The first services weren't just a one-hour worship. In fact, they involved a lot of singing and... Hand motions in church. Yes. So, and Mr. Shindahedi did a lot of the hand motions. So, every time we sang in church, um, we probably almost looked like a Baptist church. My dad was one of the guys who was up there doing the, the motions, and... I'm like, oh yeah, that's my dad. Yep, that's my dad. And all the other kids are like, your dad's so cool. And I said, oh yeah, he's cool. <laughs> so after starting in the homes of these seven families, Shepherd's Gate moved to Shelby Junior High. So Shelby Junior High, it was 28 people, kids. There were 14 kids and 14 adults. And we had to put chairs up. We had to take them all down. We had to usher. We had to greet. We had to do everything. Kids were doing it as much as the adults were. I remember setting up the chairs. I remember running through the hallways of the school. I remember just the whole kind of setup down in the cafeteria and us having church down there. For some of the kids, it wasn't easy to leave a church, a school, and friends that they have known their entire lives. I'll be honest, it, it was weird because I came from a church that was one of the largest in the Missouri Synod and, uh, you know, worshiping with 28 to 50 people in a school 
was not normal for me, so it was it was a little bit of a change. Um, and just being a teenager, you know, I was embarrassed a little bit because uh, we, we did have a building. The first thing that I was really irritated with is I said, you gotta be kidding me. I was confirmed at Trinity Utica. It's a beautiful church and now I'm not gonna have stained glass windows for my wedding someday. I was so mad. I'm like, mom and dad, seriously, you need to think of my wedding. Thanks a lot. In a few short years, they outgrew the junior high school and found their own land where Shepherd's Gate still stands. We had prayed on it and prayed actually on the land and I remember being there and I was actually one of the kids that got to turn over a scoop of dirt so I'm like I'm standing there with this shovel and I'm like oh we're digging our church and I pick it up and I throw it over and I'm like wow that is so cool. My dad's office was over in the library, secretary's office was over there and this was I believe the nursery back in the day um, and this this was the whole building this was all we had back in 1984. On Sundays, the kids remember playing an integral part in each service. We had Bible study, we sang, Mr. Vetter used to play guitar, and uh, we all, you know, made joyful noises. It might not have been the best singing, but God was praised and that's what mattered. The scripture, it was read kind of popcorn style. You kind of got excited about, oh, I, you know, I get to read a verse, you're waiting for your turn and your opportunity to to start reading from the Bible. There have been lots of additions to this building. The membership has grown, but one thing that hasn't changed is the heart of this church. There's something about this place, the, the, the atmosphere it creates, the, the people that are here. And through four lead pastors, through 39 years, I mean the DNA of this church and the friendliness of this congregation hasn't changed a bit. Even on the days when I'm really tired and I'm like, I don't know that I feel like going to church today, I will tell you, I walk out of here and I'm like, I'm so glad I went to church. Those seven families, is pretty special people. Um, God picked the people and he knew what he was doing. <laughs>
and you're going to begin a journey with us to join this incredible group of people. And as Andy said in the video, I love that, that there's just a sense of God's presence and just the friendliness of this congregation and the desire for God's people to want to be together. Because this, this is true for you as well as for me. Paul, the next one there. We are all part of the history of this local church. And each and every day, think about this, we're filling the pages every single year. We're continuing to write the history of Shepherd's Gate as God leads and as he guides us. And so I want to take you back just for a moment. I want you to see just God's hand on this place these last 39 years and the kind of some of the transitions that we've been through. In fact, as you heard, Dale Thomas, he was the founding pastor in 1980, and the mission right out of the gate was seek and save the lost. The vision of this church was win and build and send. Some of you, you were around, you remember this. The philosophy and strategy was part of this dissertation. It was a 21-point diamond philosophy. Well, after he retired and God called John Bjorgard to be the pastor here, John Bjorgard changed the mission to filling the world with dynamic disciples of Jesus Christ. And some of you, you came and you were part of the church when Pastor Bjorgard was the pastor. The vision he kept the same as win, build, and send. The philosophy he also continued the 21-point diamond. Then after he left, after being here for eight years, God called John Trinkline to be the lead pastor, where the mission of our church became leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Our vision was to be a regional church with global impact through the multiplying of disciples, leaders, and churches. And our philosophy on this was up in and out, right? You remember this, where we would go to worship, you'd be in a small group, and you would serve. It's often called the simple church philosophy or model and many of you came during the nine years that John Trinkline was pastor but I want you to do this for me this moment you ready I want you to take your laugh and I want you to do a little drum roll for me all right because you're going to get blown away you ready for this here's where we're headed Isn't that incredible someone at 8 30 said I can remember that And so if you've been here the last four weeks, you know that I have been speaking about this each and every week, that together, as a church, we're going to figure out what it is that the Holy Spirit is leading this local church to next. What is that mission statement as we launch into the future? What is that vision statement? What is the strategy that we would put together as a church? And I want you to influence this. I want you to speak into this. I want all 1,100 people that call Shepherd's Gate home a young and old alike, to be able to have an opportunity. And so over the course of this year, there's going to be opportunities to do that. You're going to be seeing this more as it plays out throughout the year. And then in, no, in October, we're going to be doing a sermon series called Forward, where we're going to be unpacking and explaining what this is after everybody has an opportunity to influence the future of this church. And so I'm so excited to have you here and to be on board. I feel like the luckiest guy on the planet that I get to, to be pastor of this church, what I, what I consider the greatest church on the planet. And I know that God has even more in store for our future and I hope that you will join me in praying for what that is and that we will do his will and we'll continue to walk in the steps that he has for us as a church and today as we've been on this journey these last four weeks we're once again going to look to 1 Corinthians you guys all had a chance to read the whole book of 1 Corinthians this week right just go like this even though maybe you didn't. Um, and so we're going to continue today, and we're actually going to finish it up. Now, we haven't been able to cover every verse in every chapter. We've tried really hard. 
But one of the advantages of actually doing a whole book of the Bible is you really get to see the author's intent from beginning to end. You get to really see the theme and the focus. And so today, uh, chapter 16 is actually the last chapter. Uh, but we're going to start in 12, and then we're just going to kind of skip around until we get to 16. So Chair Bibles, page 959, they're right in the seat in front of you. If you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you're here today, make sure you take one of these home. All right, That's a gift on behalf of our church. We want everyone to make sure that they have a Bible. So let's turn to page 959 and see what God would speak to us through his word this week. And we're going to start in chapter 12, which is where we were last week, where all of these spiritual gifts are listed, right? And if you remember, if you were here last week, we looked at all of the spiritual gifts, uh, that God is the one who gives us these gifts, and no gift is greater than, than another gift. All of the gifts are actually equal, and that everyone can do their part, everyone can serve, everyone can do something here at Shepherd's Gate and give back out of what God has given to you. In fact, I'll give you a prime example. My parents just moved here from Virginia, right? My dad is 70 years old. He's a retired uh, chief in the Navy, and he's literally operating the camera right here, okay? Right there, see? That's my dad. <laughs> my mom, I won't tell you her age, all right? She's going to be doing something back over here with the kids after this service. Everyone can do something. Everyone can shoulder part of their responsibility. And so as you look at all these gifts, and as we, as we did that last week, and over 230 of them were handed out, uh, if you didn't get one last week, I know we ran out at 10, I'm really sorry about that. The ushers will have them available today. You can grab one, fill it out. But here's the thing, it's one thing to know your gifts, it's one thing to know what your gifts aren't, but it's also important that you actually step out and contact the ministry leader, and you get plugged into a ministry here at Shepherd's Gate. So make sure you take that next step. And if, if you're wondering what you should get involved in, call Jan Long in the office, and she'll help you. She'll direct to the right ministry leader. So let's go all the way down chapter 12 to the very last verse, verse 31, and we're going to look at the second sentence. Because after he does all this explanation about spiritual gifts, this is what Paul said. He says, and I will show you still a more excellent way. A more excellent way. So all of this talk on spiritual gifts is all setting up 1 Corinthians 13. Now, a lot of people are familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, right? It's often referred to as the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, it's easy to remember because it's 13 verses. And why do so many people know 1 Corinthians 13? Where do you often hear this passage quoted? Weddings. Weddings. But those of you that have been around the last four weeks realize that he hasn't necessarily touched on marriage the whole time. He touches on it a little bit a few chapters ago. But the theme of this book is he's addressing divisions in the church. He's trying to unify the church. And so as we read this today, I don't want you to think of it in the context of marriage. I don't want you to think of it in context of your spouse or even your family. As we read this together this morning, it's a familiar passage of scripture, I want you to think of it in context of our church here at Shepherd's Gate and what it is that God is doing in our midst, because that's who he wrote this for. He wrote it for the church in Corinth. Now, the reason it's used in weddings is because when you have a Christian wedding and you have a, you have a husband and a wife, obviously they're brothers and sisters in Christ as well, and so you can use these scriptures for that as well. But I want you to do it in view of our congregation this morning. And this is what it says, chapter 13, verse 1. It says this, you know, going back to the gifts, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong, or a clanging cymbal. Or in other words, you're annoying, all right? That's what he's saying. 
So you can speak in tongues all you want, but if you don't have love, you're annoying. Number two, now verse two, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and knowledge, those of you with the gift of wisdom and knowledge, discernment, right? And if I have all the faith in the world so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am what? Nothing. Nothing. If I give all I have, right? You give every dollar that you have away. And if I deliver up my body to be burned, you literally, you're a martyr for the faith. Think about what Paul is saying. But have not love, I gain nothing. I want you to think about this, and I want you to do two things in these next verses, four to seven. I want you first to think of your name, and then I want you to think of Shepherd's Gate, where it says love is patient. Think of you, right? Tim is patient, Al is patient, whoever that is, Joe is patient, or Shepherd's Gate is patient. And here it is, verse four. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own ways. And isn't it great, in 39 years, no one has ever disagreed with each other at Shepherd's Gate, right? No one has ever disagreed with the leadership decisions, and in my year and a half, no one has ever disagreed with the decisions that I make. I'm so thankful for that, right? Look at this. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Man, I love that. And each and every week we open the Bible, that, that we preach God's word, that we preach the gospel, that we administer the sacraments, that we are a community of faith that rejoices with the truth. And then look at verse 7. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. That God has called you and me as the body of Christ, that we do, that we bear one another's burdens as we looked at last week, that we rejoice when we rejoice together and we mourn when we mourn together, that we believe all things, that we believe the best days for this church are still ahead and that we cling to the hope, not in our own hope, we cling to the hope that Christ gives us through the cross, that even though the world around us is falling apart and sin keeps, seems to keep permeating every aspect of our lives and our culture and our country, and we get frustrated every time we turn on the TV and we're like, yet again here, we're dealing with yet another issue, we cling to the hope that we are his children. And just as he saw the church in Corinth through every and any situation that they were facing, which was just as ugly and sometimes uglier than even what we face, if, if you can even believe that, that we continue to hold on to the hope that we have, that in all things, that it endures, it endures to the end. When God decides at this time that this church is done with its mission, that we will finish and we will finish strong as a congregation. Again, the history is still being written for what God has for this place, for what he has in store for our future. Now, I want you to flip the page. And I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And here, Paul, again, he's challenging the church, and I believe these are words for us today. Verse 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, you could say, Therefore, my beloved church, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing in that the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Again, our work isn't done, church. That God has called us to continue to do what he has called only this local body to do. And right from the beginning, this has been a strategic church and placed within a community where we're able to do things that other places aren't able to do. And God has blessed us and we have prayed and we have sought God's face and we said, God, what is it that you have for our church? I got some exciting things to share with you this morning.
some partnerships that we actually are beginning to develop with other churches. Uh, those of you that know um, Emmanuel Lutheran on 21 and Romeo Plank, they're one of our sister congregations. And seven years ago, their leadership came to the leadership of this church and said, hey, we know that you don't have a school. And so we want to offer you, anybody that, that, lives in, that lives in the community around Emmanuel that wants to send their kids to parochial school, they can send them to Emmanuel Lutheran and we'll offer them member tuition rate, which is incredible, right? Just so you know, this isn't, this isn't unheard of in the LCMS, okay? Just so you know, this is not normal. And so for seven years, we've had this partnership of those that would want to send their kids there. They get to go to Emmanuel and Emmanuel allows us to have the same member tuition that they have as if you were a member of Emmanuel. Well, this week, I had an opportunity to talk to Greg Griffith, the lead pastor that, uh, that's at Emmanuel, again, and we were able to um, come to this agreement. See, over there at Emmanuel, they don't have a care program. They have an incredible school. They just built a $7 million, you know, addition uh, that has a gymnasium and 12 classrooms, but they don't have a care program. And we said, maybe Shepherd's Gate, because of all the incredible leaders that we have and the time and the resources that we pour in the care program, maybe Shepherd's Gate can be the care program, not only for Shepherd's Gate, but can also be the care program for Emmanuel Lutheran. And so now if you go on to Emmanuel's website, you will see there's a link. If you're looking for care, you're looking for divorce care, grief share, any of those things, it actually links you to Shepherd's Gate. And if you go on Shepherd's Gate website and you're looking for a parochial school, guess what? It links you to Emmanuel. This is crazy, right? This is unheard of with churches that we're ripping down silos and we're coming together. This year, one of the representatives from Emmanuel is going to be walking alongside Ron Cazera. Ron Cazera is our coordinator for Step Out and Serve, one of our big initiatives in the fall. And this person is going to shadow Ron so that in 2020, Emmanuel Lutheran and Shepherd's Gate Lutheran can do Step Out and Serve together. That we can go from 30 sites to 60 sites to whatever it is that God would have for us. We're playing to our strengths. They're playing to their strengths. And as the church of God, and I think this is what it's going to take in the future, that churches have to come together. And hopefully after these two churches figure it out, maybe we can get some of the other area churches to come on board and we can make this thing huge. We can show the community that we work together, that we're not siloed, and that we love what God is doing in this community and that we love them. Got another one to share with you. There's another church that, that's a sister congregation. Some of you might know this. It's Living Hope of the Bay. How many of you are familiar with Living Hope of the Bay or New Baltimore? They're 11 years old, okay? They were a church plant, and their pastor, uh, after 10 years, he resigned and took a call to Ohio. And so this last year, they've had a really tough time just trying to figure out what the next steps are. In fact, Pastor Craig this morning, who is our host, he's been over there for nine months working with them. And they've come to the point where they don't know if they can continue on this journey. They can't afford uh, you know, to hire a full-time pastor. And so they are praying and they really feel that God is calling them to dissolve. And so I've had a couple of meetings with their leadership team. And so what's going to happen is in a few weeks, they're going to vote on whether they're going to actually come and be part of Shepherd's Gate. And the reason they're praying about this, the reason they, they, they've contacted us, is because they are aligned with how we are aligned as a church and our mission, and our heart for the community, the way that we're able to, to reach out. And so I would just ask you to keep this in prayer. And if this takes place, imagine this, these people that are going to come here, I know what you're going to do. I already know. You're going to give up your parking spots for them, right? Yeah. Some of you, you're going to give up your seats for them, and we're going to welcome them in because this is part of, this is part of our history, this is part of their history, this is part of God's plan, then we want to be obedient to what God has in store for our future. He's calling all of us, calling all of us, to be obedient to him, to be humble before him, to do what he has called us to do. 
And I want you to see how this plays out in chapter 16. I told you I'd get there, and I got there this morning. Chapter 16, verse 1. Here's Paul in his, in, his final, in his final words to the church. He says, Now concerning the collection for the saints. In other words, the offering. All right? And I love the fact he's not afraid to talk about money. It says, As I directed the churches of Galatia. So Paul, he's also the one that wrote the book of Galatians. And so he's already instructed the church in Galatia. He instructed other churches and look at what it says here. It says, As I directed them, you are also to do that on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. That Shepherd's Gate, God is calling us, right? If this is our church home that we would pray about, we'd be led by the Holy Spirit, that we would take a portion of our income as God has prospered us, right? A, a portion of our income and as a response to him that we would give that back in faith. And then look at what it says here. So that there will be no collecting when I come. Isn't this cool? He's doing a pre-offering. I mean, think about the influence this guy has. And when I arrive, I will send it to those whom you accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. And so what is Paul doing here? He's trying to get them to realize that it's not just about their local church in Corinth that they're connected to the church in Galatia. And later on, toward the end of the book, you, you'll see how it says that the churches in Asia give their greetings as well, that you are not just connected, that we're not just connected here, but we're connected to all these other areas and all of these other organizations. And I'm so honored and privileged today that I get to tell you how generous this church has been for over 39 years. Some of you, you have faithfully given to this congregation for decades you have been led by the Spirit and God has put that upon you. And I want to tell you this morning, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. Those of you that give through the automated giving, those that you write a check every week, those of you that are, that are faithful in your giving and your tithes and your offerings, thank you for your trust in the leadership of this church. Thank you for believing in the ministry that God has called us to do. And because of your faithfulness, because of your sacrifice, and oh, by the way, it took 560 of you to do this. 560 households, that's how many of those envelopes got mailed this week. 560 people coming together that we can do the ministry that God has called us to do here in our community and all over the world. Because one of the other things we're going to celebrate this morning is the fact that we are so generous with what God has given us. In fact, 13% of every dollar that comes in, no matter what, is going on in the church, no matter what facility struggles we may be having, it doesn't matter, 13% goes right back out our doors. And I want you to grab the sheet that the ushers gave you on your way in. It says Mission 13 on it. I want you to grab that. I want you to look at that. Because what we're going to do is we're going to invite the Mission 13 team. These are members of the congregation. They get to determine where these dollars are sent to and the organizations that we partner with. And so Dave Dion, he's been the chairman this last year of this, and his team's going to come. Can you give them a big hand as they come at this time? And in all 39 years of our church, there's never been a year that we have not given at least 13%. In fact, in some of the earlier years, it was up to 20 and 25% of the whole operating budget. So this church has a history of giving. And so Dave, your leadership, just thank you for everything that you've done. Could you please introduce us to your team? Sure, great. First off, we have Bonnie Vetter, who you saw that beautiful face on some of the video, one of the original members of this church, and actually one that actually helped start what we know today as Mission 13. Next to Bonnie is Aaron Kaya. Aaron Kaya has been on the team for a couple of years now. Beth Ann Cote, who's been on. 
And a new member just joining us is Jennifer Fultran, and two members that could not be here today, uh, Katie Davis and also David Carter. So this is our team going forward here for the next few years. Awesome. And Dave, can you tell us when you guys come together, how do you determine who you're going to give to and how this all works? Well, a couple ways. One, we do get letters. We get letters asking for assistance, but we also get emails through our email, which you'll see on the back side of this, and phone calls, and also from members, members that will suggest to us where we could really be maybe looking at to be designating our dollars. And maybe you're here and you know of an organization, you're, there's something that maybe you could bring to light. Like if someone knows of something that, that's in financial need, how do they get a hold of you to see if this would be something that would be considered? Well, on the back of this, you'll see our email address, mission13 at sgatechurch.org. And if you do, it'd be great to also send, if you got website info, things like that, for us to take a look at. Because one thing I'll, I'll point out to you is we also have the organizations sometimes come in and talk or meet with us because we want to know more about them before we partner. Now, if I could for a second, really look at the front of the sheet, and you'll see a, you know, the list of all the organizations. So I'm going to start right at the top with one called The Beautiful Me. Now, it's a smaller amount, but we've been partnering with them for a couple of years. It's, a, it's an organization influencing young women and teens basically to be for self-esteem and they're doing it in a core of Christ that trying to build them up and down a little bit three quarters away you have Samaritas Christian Services well last year if you remember we had them here speaking and after the services we had over 37 of our members go up and ask and inquire more about learning more about foster and adoption that's also really the part of the key of this. It's not just for us to be writing checks. It's for us to be involved and to be influencers, as Pastor Tim has been preaching to us. Now, this past week, uh, well, actually, I'll finish one more thing, because we had the Belize Men's Group just basically return, and we helped funded some building projects to build a new parsonage, and we paid for building materials and actually helped with some of the travel costs for the men that went down there. That also is part of Mission 13. Now, this last week, it was cold. And I saw on TV, and Jennifer, or excuse me, uh, Jeff from church also saw that we had McRest running around picking up homeless people and putting them in hotels. They had to pay for it out of their pockets. So we got together. I emailed the team saying, hey, what do you think? Let's help them out here because we know that they need funding. So we had a check written. Jeff ran over with Greg and his wife. And we gave them $2,000 to go help pay for hotel rooms, to put men mostly into rooms, four men to a room with two queen beds, to get them off the streets. So that's the big thing. So I'd like to close in prayer, if I could, uh, just to bless our church for giving back. So if you may, bow your heads. Most gracious Father, thank you for the blessing of this 39 years of, uh, of Shepherd's Gate's great history. And Lord, bless the next 39 years. Help us grow in you first, and also help us grow and in influence in our local communities and our global missions. Guide us and lead us. Amen. Can we give this team a hand again? Awesome, you guys. If you're interested in being on this team, let us know. Either let Dave know or I know, because now with six people on the team, the plan is to rotate two people off every year, just like we do with our church council, so that in two years, five years, ten years, we can rotate just a lot of different members and allow them to influence even the, the dollars that we give out as a congregation. But will you st uh, please stand for uh, the blessing this morning? 
Thanks again for being here. We're just excited about what God has in store. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.